Welcome to Thinking Ahead, your leading edge insights podcast. Each episode reveals the latest insights on today's consumers and offers a sneak peek of tomorrow's marketplace. Stop guessing what's next and start thinking ahead. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Thinking Ahead, a GFK Insights podcast. This is Hannah Leiter, your host, and whether you are a new listener to the podcast or one that I have been well acquainted with, I am glad you are here for this really special episode. In the last week of March, the publication The Economist put on a global virtual summit on all things sustainability. The summit covered our current environmental issues and solutions from the perspectives of brands, consumers, politics, agriculture, you name it. I was lucky enough to attend the summit along with 7,000 other delegates, as was my guest today. Uh, My guest is also here because he was a big part of putting the data get together for GFK's very own presentation at the summit titled Crisis as a Catalyst, How Global Emergencies Can Push Sustainability Forward. Everyone, please welcome Tim Kenyon, Vice President and Consultant at GFK Consumer Life. Tim is well-versed in all things trends, especially when it comes to environmental trends. He is the director of the GFK Consumer Life Green Gauge Report, and he happens to have already been on the podcast already in last year's Earth Day episode. So welcome back, Tim. Thanks a lot, Hannah. I'm, I'm really excited to be back talking to you today. Yeah, this is a really fun topic. I want to start by just maybe doing a little bit of a look back on that first episode that we've done, because I know that you made a couple predictions about what was going to play out, especially because Earth Day was at the very height of when the pandemic was declared a global crisis. So I'd love to just go back to some of those things that you talked about and kind of see, did they play out how you said, or maybe a little different? Kind of put your money where your mouth is. (laughs) (laughs) That's exciting because it feels like not just a year ago, it actually feels about... And like a hundred years ago. So yeah, I know. I'm, I'm excited to see what I said and, and see what what played out. Yeah. So um, I have a little list here. I'll just list them off for you and you let me know what you think. So okay. one of the big points that you made in the last episode was that economic struggles tend to lessen people's priorities when it comes to environmental issues. However, you think that this one is a little different. Do you still say the same? Yeah, I think that's that's actually really interesting because uh, you know typically when we go back and look at all of the data that we have in Green Gauge, past recessions, even the you know the Great Recession, which um, is more recent in memory, you did see a drop off in environmental attitudes and behaviors. Um, but this one really was different, and uh, we we continue to get data throughout the year around consumers and sustainability from from that initial conversation we had back in April of 2020 that continued to confirm that sustainability is a mainstream trend and continues to um, to to uh, march forward uh, even in the face of um, economic social and um, other issues that that the US and, and other countries were dealing with at the time. Another thing that you talked about in the last episode that I thought was really interesting was all about the element of safety and that being a big priority to consumers. And basically that that kind of correlates with the fact that sustainable products are also seen as safer products. Do you think that that has kind of played out in the marketplace in the last year? That one I think is a little bit more mixed. Um, Certainly at that time when we were talking in the very short term, uh, you know, people were concerned with 
keeping things sanitary and killing germs and killing killing COVID, right? Um, I think we still see some of that sentiment um, around today. So that's where it becomes really important to understand, you know, if you're especially if you're a marketer in this space, you know, what's your category, uh, and and importantly, how does sustainability impact your your category? So longer term for you know things like household cleaning um uh, other other kind of in me and on me type of uh products it's sustainability is definitely on the agenda um in terms of how companies need to address it um but people are still concerned about about covid right so and then we still see some of these trends pop up from time to time about people being more concerned about keeping things safe and sanitary than necessarily being natural um but i think we think that's more of a short-term blip as opposed to something that is um gonna stick around long term one of the parts of the beginning of the pandemic that was just so interesting was all over the world you know, we have these incredible natural wonders. And when all of the flights stopped and people weren't commuting to work, there were some incredible, you know, basically, you know, like you could see the Himalayas from India for the first time. There were huge groups of whales swimming by the shores in California, all of these like amazing, amazing things. And we did talk about a little bit in the last episode, but also kind of talked about how it might go away once people went back into that normal life. Do you feel that's kind of happened? Do you think it's really made any sort of impact that even though people are, you know, now driving more, they do have a little bit more in mind or maybe not? No, I, you know, I think that's one where this is a sticky trend. Um, one as it relates to sustainability, but overall. So one of the tr- core trends that we're talking about through our consumer life trend service right now is ex- this experience explosion. <laughs> um People are uh, eager to get out and to have experiences and to convene with nature also. Um, You know, I think at the beginning of the pandemic and when we were talking last time, you know, we were thinking about how that was that was an avenue for people to get some respite. Um, And actually, even at that time, I remember, I think in New Jersey, they had closed a lot of the state parks and county parks and a lot of people and even my own circle were feeling a lot of angst about that. Um, but then as they reopened up in May of 2020, you just saw a lot of people going outside. So yeah, for sure. I think that's, um, uh, a trend that's going to stick around. You see certain categories, a certain, so automotive is one I would mention. They're, they're thinking about how can they redesign their vehicles for, um, a consumer, for a driver that wants to be more mobile and, convene with nature more, you know, do more things like camping, uh, things like that. So having much more of a, of a vehicle that is, um, uh, prepared to, you know, get you from point A to point B, but also maybe, you know, spending a weekend out in, uh, out in the woods or at a campsite. Yeah. I love it. I, I love that concept of just everybody, I don't know, competing with nature. There's, I guess it just feels natural to be yeah. completely pun intended there. <laughs> Right. And I think that's something that like home, the home gardening industry is really interested in right now. So, you know, home gardening exploded through the pandemic. And so, um, you know, we're really keeping an eye on things like uh, the sale of like gardening tools, which really rose pretty quickly last year. In fact, according to some of um, the 
uh, point of sale data that GFK collects in Europe, um, gardening tools rose by like 10%. Uh, you'll see a little bit of a regression, but you always have people that kind of stick around, right? And, and found that was something that was really, you know, really important to them. Some of that stuff was touched on during the summit, but there was a lot. This was four days. They, they were focused days on different kind of like facets. I mean, it was a lot of information. What was your like general experience of it? I was pleasantly surprised, especially with being virtual. I actually thought it was quite interactive. Yeah, really excellent. Um, you know, I've and it's you know, I've been involved with conferences like this for almost 15 years now. And it's really interesting to see how much they've evolved and to really tackle some of the important trends and nuance that relates to sustainability. And I think this one was definitely one in particular that was uh, very future focused while also still being grounded in, um, in uh, you know, our global crisis right now. Um, and, you know, there was for me, you know, there was kind of five key themes that that I took away from it that I thought were interesting. Um, one is is what I just mentioned, which is that COVID still very much looms large over the decisions that companies are making today. But really, you know, they're still thinking about the long term, especially when it comes to issues like climate change. Um, another interesting topic was this idea of achieving a net zero future, right, which is, you know, a future that's pollution and emissions free. And now you start to hear kind of a new term, uh, or maybe a newer term for some, which is this idea of climate positive. Um, IKEA has been on the forefront of this, and they actually presented at um, at the Economist, which was actually taking the steps to reduce more greenhouse gases or greenhouse emissions than you than you even produce. And you know you can do that through you know planting more trees, but basically really being very mindful of of you know the emissions that come from the manufacturing process and and um, from from related related processes. Um, certainly leveraging technology and digital solutions um, to help the production process and and help the product life cycle be more sustainable. Um, new marketplaces and, and you know maybe maybe I should say new-ish marketplaces, things like the circular economy, um, figuring out ways to design out waste. Um, and then there's also some themes, you know, related to, you know, we talked about convening to nature before, but, you know, the importance of, of biodiversity as well. So, you know, those were some of the some of the, the things that I took away that I thought were um, were interesting. Um, but it was a really it was a very heady con- uh, conference with with a lot of good material. Yeah, I definitely think that the area of the circular economy was probably the area that I thought was the most fascinating. Some of the ways that people talked about being circular were ways that, you know, I, I had never really thought of before. And I thought it was really, really cool. Like some of them, you know, the whole like cow poop for power on farms. I loved that. There was a whole presentation on that, which people have heard of before, but um, yeah, that was a funny one. And the other one that really surprised me was uh, Japan Tobacco. They were one of the sponsors and speakers, and they had talked about how they were making it more of a circular economy by using basically the ashes from their manufacturing of of cigarettes and basically putting them back into the soil as fertilizer for the tobacco fields. So that was just some of the 
areas that I thought were really, really cool. And then, of course, just so much reiteration of, you know, a win-win situation, everyone working together, having an organized, you know, organizational-wide kind of view for sustainability. Uh, So, yeah, I think it it was really great information. I wish I I could have watched more. Um, I definitely thought that the ones I watched were really, really informational. Yeah. Yeah. Can never go wrong with cow poop. <laughs> um, well, no, I think it's interesting, you know, you know, talking about sort of how marketers or, or, you know, companies have evolved on this topic, even a decade ago. I mean, that's when, you know, you really started to hear more about the circular economy and, and product life cycles. But even back then, I think that Mark, uh, that companies were, were, were more focused on still on end of life, you know, as a product, how does it get disposed? Is it recyclable? Is it biodegradable? Um, I think what's interesting now is really this holistic view that you're, you're thinking about, you know, I heard this, this term designing out waste, right? So you're from the initial innovation phases, you're really kind of being mindful of, um, of, of things like product packaging. Do you need product packaging? How much packaging do you need? Should it be recyclable? Shouldn't it be recyclable? Can they be reused? So, um, you know, again, I think that marketers are becoming much more, more savvy in this space. And you also mentioned too, I think something that's important, it's much more of a core corporate value. You know, sustainability isn't just sort of a one-off that exists in, you know, through a, co- uh, you know, a corporate social responsibility initiative. It's, it's really something that, that companies are trying to um, uh, really internalize. Right. It's not just brand purpose, which was another item that was talked about a lot, which of course, uh, here at GFK, we have quite a few new products about brands. So I loved hearing about that. Um, but you're right. It's not just about the outward brand purpose, but also internalizing it within the people that work there and the way that they do business. So I really liked that. Another point that I thought was interesting, something I hadn't thought of before, was also creating a demand for recycled waste, which I had never really thought of before. So for example, TerraCycle was one of the companies that spoke and they're a very known company for basically recycling non-recyclable items. And, but they're not only doing that, while they're recycling it, they're also basically generating or trying to create a demand for that recycled material that they make afterward. So it's just so much innovation and, you know, a lot of thinking outside of the box, which I think is going to come out to some really, really great results. Yeah, for sure. And recycling, that I mean, that, that's not going away. That's still very much that's one of the, the top behaviors that, you know, that people engage with. But, you know, there have been some high profile um, instances of, of consumers learning that, you know, not everything that they recycle actually gets recycled. Right. And so it is really important. I think I, I agree that was a that was an interesting session also because, you know, there there isn't necessarily demand for these things, and and you know the consumer thinks they're doing something good by throwing their their packaging or their cardboard into a blue container that has the recycle sign on it, but you know it may not always end up. Um, it may sometimes end up in a landfill. Do you know any differences in terms of consumers valuing a sustainable product, aka a product that was? when you are holding it, it is recyclable and it is sustainable to dispose of versus shopping with somebody who does internally sustainable items. Are they looking at both 
Or maybe they both usually come for the same company. I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, packaging and what's on a package is always really important. We have some some more, uh, you know, recent data, basically data that's just really fresh from the field um, where we see that consumers are holding retailers more accountable if they don't offer sustainable options. Um, So we actually see that about a third of consumers say that they would switch most of their shopping to another store if they didn't feel like their store offered environmentally safe or environmentally friendly products. And that's actually, we, we can go back about a decade uh, and look at that and, and that is, is, uh, is, is trending upward. So, you know, I think it's, you know, in terms of how consumers view sustainability, um, there definitely is still segments of consumers that view it in different ways. Sometimes it's about end of life. Sometimes it's more about product innovation. But um, regardless of how they might define sustainability in terms of their own purchase decisions, it's still something that that is has become more mainstream and more important to to more consumers. Yeah. Was there anything else, anything that really surprised you or that somebody said that you hadn't really heard of that perspective before in the sessions that you attended? You know, I think that, you know, I'll go back to the the whole idea of um, of climate positive you know, and I feel like the in the previous or pre, the previous decade, um, you know, we were hearing more about you know being net zero, um, so so making an effort to have no impact, but to actually take it a step further and say, you know, we want to have a, a positive impact, you know, beyond just reducing our emissions. Um, I think is a really important point. I think it's a very ambitious goal. So I'm really curious to see how marketers uh, and companies are, uh, and, and product manufacturers are able to follow through on that on that goal. Um, but it is it is something I think worth keeping an, an eye on as companies become, you know, more ingrained with uh, tackling things like climate change. Right. Yeah. I, I definitely thought just some of the technologies that people talked about that were being developed. I thought that was optimistic. Uh, it made you feel better about the situation. Uh, but it was also really cool to just see what people are thinking about. One thing that I thought very consistently was said when it came to, for example, the Paris Climate Agreement, a lot of people who spoke, they said, we're doing a lot, we're doing a lot, we're still not doing enough. Do consumers feel that way as well? So consumers definitely are holding brands, the brands that they purchase, the companies they engage with to a higher standard. Um, and what we see in our data um, is that consumers are putting more of an onus on institutions like brands and companies and also government to really be addressing the issue. So basically there's a sense from consumers that they're starting to understand there's only so much that they can do, especially when you're tackling, you know, really these big these big problems like climate change. So at the very least, how I'd answer that question is that we think consumers are holding companies um, more accountable for for those. And and you know, we think back, you know, a decade ago or even a little bit further, we were always talking about this this notion of consumer driven sustainability. That it was consumers that were leading, um, and consumers are there. I mean, they, they you know we hear from consumers all the time. They think that you know addressing pollution and climate change is is important, but there is also a recognition that that these are these are big problems that um, 
aren't aren't necessarily solved by an individual, um, but are solved through collective action and also by having larger institutions set up a framework that helps to address it. Well, let's get into JFK's presentation. Warren Saunders, he presented, he's one of our colleagues over in Europe, did a great job, but I know you were behind the scenes helping quite a bit when it came to putting the story together. Now, I'm sure that many of you listening right now weren't able to attend the summer or maybe you didn't know about it. Could you just give just like a quick summary of what exactly the presentation was about? Yeah, absolutely. So the presentation, we called it Crisis as Catalyst, right? And so that was really, you know, hearkening to what's going on right now. And even some of the things we talked about before, Hannah, about, you know, was the pandemic hindering or was it actually maybe accelerating certain elements of, of sustainability? And and certainly our hypothesis is that um, uh, that sustainability has, has in, in many respects, quickened because of the because of the pandemic. So we, we looked back, we took a look back in history and we took saw that you know, throughout um, throughout kind of the modern era, sort of post World War II, there's been a lot of sustainable solutions that have that have come from you know global problems. Um, but what we're seeing today is that you know that that the the pandemic is really uh, it, it's it's made it different, right? So it's it's one. It's at the very least, it's proven that sustainability is is a resilient trend, but actually it continues to grow. We think because of the crisis and not necessarily um, dis- despite it. Um, so we looked at that idea of crisis as catalyst. We, we we talked a little bit about this idea of a quote unquote energized movement, and that is really talking about um, the conservation of energy. Um, and so we looked at uh, that. That's one of the most cited behaviors by consumers around the world. They say they try and conserve energy. Um, and we were able to look at also some of the GFK POS data coming out of Europe of, around major domestic appliances and those with high uh, high energy efficient ratings. Uh, they call them A triple plus or A double plus. Um, and those, those act, that actual purchase behavior since 2012 has, has continues to grow. Um, we talked a little bit about trust and sustainability. So um, this is still one of the biggest barriers for marketers is is establishing and addressing consumer trust, um, uh, especially when it comes to green purchasing. We do have data that suggests, um, especially in the U.S., that consumers are still a bit um, you know wary of the claims that marketers make. Um, so that's that's definitely something that you know we're recommending to our clients that that needs to be addressed is this idea of of trust. Um, and then we've looked a little bit at the future through the lens of Gen Z um, and how Gen Z really has been mobilizing for crisis. This was true uh, before the pandemic in 2019. We we're talking about you know large scale climate change protests, um, but we're all we're also kind of interested in in Gen Z because they're kind of redefining what it means to be an environmentalist, right? They're more, you know, they're more more tech savvy. Um, they like to use the environment as a badge of honor, something they want to show off to others. Um, so they're really kind of expanding how we think about sustainability, even, even beyond, you know, kind of the basic eco concerns we've always talked about. Yeah, definitely. I know in the opening remarks, actually, of the entire summit, uh, it was BlackRock's executive or chief executive, Larry Fink, and he discussed greenwashing which I'd actually never heard that term before, but it really 
pulled a light bulb out during the presentation for GFK when they talked about the lack of trust. Um, and yeah, it was interesting to make that yeah. connection. It is. And there's been three waves of consumers and sustainability, I think. And, and the first wave was in the early 90s. The second wave was um, sort of in the mid 2000s. Again, this is time, times when we're seeing kind of an uptick in, in sentiment. Um, but that, you know, there, there, that was always something that seemed to, as the trend started to become hotter and, and more companies and people started to kind of get on the bandwagon, something that always seemed to derail it was, was, was that notion of greenwashing. And so now that we seem to be entering almost a, a kind of a third age of sustainability and consumers today, especially emerging from the pandemic, that is still one of the kind of key things that need to be addressed. So I'm really curious to see what happens over the next year or two as it relates to that topic, because um, it's something that can can definitely, if, if you want to call it a movement, let's say it can it can derail the movement. So something to, to really be keen on on watching. Yeah, that's interesting. And and to your point with Gen Z, I just think I, generations are always so interesting. And it's also especially interesting because, of course, millennials were kind of the first generation educationally to have a lot about envi- environment, you know, in their school, learning exactly how it works, why it's important. And now Gen Z is the one who's really making it that social movement. And I think it's going to be really interesting also to see that next generation because you know environmental movements really started with the boomers um they were the ones who made the thing so it's just it it feels like every generation has its own stamp on it um and it just keeps getting you know of higher and higher importance it seems as generations go on yeah i I have i have two kids that are, are are i guess would be part of that next generation coming after gen z and i've gotten you know they're learning virtually from home so i've I've gotten a, a much deeper peek into into their education, and um, I'm I'm. It's amazing how much of their, especially their science education, focuses on, you know, concepts around sustainability. Um, and even my daughter is in the Girl Scouts, and I would say a good a good portion of their projects focus on things like you know, like planting trees or um, understanding like wastewater, um, just to kind of name a few. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see how, you know, the, the topic continues to evolve. Millennials were kind of on the vanguard, Gen Z starting from a higher point. Um, and, and yeah, I do agree. Once, once we establish, you know, again, you know, that next generation, um, I think we'll just continue to see it, it kind of marching forward. Yeah, absolutely. What is, if you had to give maybe one or two things, but to somebody who just watched the presentation or couldn't, and you just really wanted, you know, out of everything in the presentation, this is really what you should take for yourself in terms of as a consumer or as a brand working for sustainable practices? The first thing, that's a great question. I think the first thing is that, you know, things don't change all that much. You know, that we can look in the past and see that um, sustainability has always been part of solving problems. It's just what's different today is it's just so much more top of mind and at, at uh, at the forefront. Um, and then the other is it would be around trust and really establishing and building trust. And that's because that's not just a trend uh, or a theme that 
relates to sustainability, that's just a general theme that we've been talking to our clients about. So I think th those two things would be the things I think would be uh, would be interesting for people to to take back with them. According to the data, both in the presentation and just consumer life data, uh, you guys have a ranking of 57 core personal values that you measure. And sustainability is currently number 16 out of those 57. That is up 11 ranks from 2016, which was only five years ago. Thinking ahead, do you think that this will continue to rise in the ranks? And what are some of those core values that it might be surpassing at this point? Ooh, that's a good question because we're, you know, we're really starting. When we talk about core values, we are talking about things like authenticity and protecting the family and enjoying life. So, um, you know, if 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 that value started to crack the top 10 personal values and started to surpass things like that, then clearly, you know, we've already been talking about sustainability as a mainstream trend. Clearly it has established itself as, as something mainstream um, and really important. So it's kind of hard to predict if it'll keep rising, I'll be honest with you. But I think when you look at sort of what's next for sustainability, and all of the different messages that people are getting today, whether that be, you know, new marketplaces, you know, we talked about like the circular economy or, or the product as service model, um, the role of, of technology and digital solutions in sustainability. Um, right now, we're seeing a real moment for EV, for electric vehicles. And, you know, we have a, um, in the US and, and other governments around the world, you have governments that are really kind of supporting and trying to push that um, push that movement along. And then also there's kind of local, there's more local community involvement. Um, and again, I think you're, you're going to, you know, the, the President Biden just yesterday announced um, his infrastructure plan, and that's heavily focused on local sustainability and, and, and greening, you know, greening car fleets or, um, you know, more mass transportation, but really kind of incorporating sustainability more at an infrastructure and local level. So I think as it becomes even more ingrained and something that uh, becomes more visible consumers for consumers, um, you can definitely, you, you, we might expect it to continue. Well, thank you so much for answering all of my questions and speaking to me about the summit, Tim. I could probably continue to talk to you about it, but unfortunately we are out of time. So I'm going to ask you one last question before I let you go. As a trends expert who is working very often with sustainability trends, what is your best advice for someone who's currently trying to evolve their brand to be a more sustainable one or to incorporate it into their business practices? It's definitely to understand who your customer is, who your consumer is. What are the what are the barriers that they have to sustainability, right? So I think we're we're already establishing that for most consumers this is this is an important feature. Um you know, even 10 years ago, you know, some of the consulting we might have done might have been like, first, just understand if it's even important to your customer. I think we're kind of past that. So the next step is, is we've established it's important. The next step is really understanding, you know, what about sustainability? What about green? 
what gets your customer excited, what are some of their pain points, um, and then you can you know properly innovate you know for that customer. Yeah, that's great. Amazing answer. Well, thank you so much again. Uh, and thank you everyone for listening here today. If you are interested to learn more about what we've talked about here today, of course, the summit is already over. But we do actually have the presentation from GFK available on demand. It's completely free on the website. So I will leave that link into the show notes so that you can take a look at that if you're interested. Um, and I know Tim is also the director of that Green Gauge report. I will leave some information about that one as well if you are interested. Tim, any last words or any other things that they might need to know before we leave this off? You know, we're, we're going to be conducting the Green Gauge study. We're actually in the field right now. So in a few short months, we're actually going to have uh, really fresh data. Um, so personally, as an analyst, I'm really excited to dig into that data. But it's also something that if you're a marketer in this space, um, I definitely recommend you reaching out and, and, and finding out a little bit more about what's in that data set and how you can how you can use it. Amazing. And maybe we'll even have you back on here once those data points are out. Sounds good. Amazing. Thank you so much, Tim. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Thinking Ahead. For more information on today's topic, you can click the link in the description. And please make sure to leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you like about the show. And of course, if you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button to keep up to date on the latest insights. We'll see you next time so you can keep thinking ahead.